Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we're talking about season three, episode 24, To Live and Die in Malibu. I'm Mary. I'm Tej. And I'm Christopher. <gasps> Yay! Yay! A special guest, Christopher. It is so good to have you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I haven't podcasted about Melrose Place in far too long. You're so far ahead of us. True. So that's that's good. Uh, part of me did wonder, Christopher. I know you have a fear that we will catch up to you all. Are yes. you just are you just pacing us right now, checking where we are? Um, well, I mean, I'm just an avid listener, so I always know where you are. Um, you know, um, but it was good timing for me to be on this one because I listened to our episode about this to kind of give myself a little refresher, and I was talking about getting ready for you to come up and visit me here in Everett, Washington. Which, Which was, was a, a minute ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> over, oh, over a year. And speaking of time, I hope you all had a good New Year's. Oh, yeah. I mean, death to 2022. Um, arguably one of the worst years of my life. Although good, very good things also happened in it. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that that news about Donald Trump in December. I know it was shocking, Um, but I'd waited so long and was so happy. (laughs) Um, Also breaking news. uh, And this is not Melrose Place related, but I feel like it's content specific for us. Um, Milwaukee was rated one of the top 50 places to visit in the world. Hmm. The city of Milwaukee by National Geographic. Hmm. And I just want to yell bullshit on that because I read, I'm reading, they're so excited in Milwaukee. It's not that good. It's actually Wait, pretty bad. The top 50 in the world, did you yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. That seems, that seems high, but I'm going to go out. <laughs> I've been to Milwaukee. Oh, I'm it's, sorry. It's fine. No, I, I was wrong. Top 25 destinations. Is it about drinking? Is this a drinking list? Nope. Here's what National Geographic had to say. Listen, listen. If you told me this was like Beer Brewers magazine, I'd buy it, right? This is National Geographic. And they quote, Wisconsin's biggest and liveliest city combines blue collar, back thumping energy. I'm sorry. I thought we weren't talking about Dahmer anymore. Back thumping energy with a close knit creative community that's turning heads beyond the Great Lakes. Who the fuck did this? I mean, maybe, 
if they're looking to talk to a lot of weird people, like Milwaukee is a great place for that. It's, like, it's an anthropological thing. <laughs> the, the Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson said, Milwaukee has every reason to be proud of this designation. It's particularly gratifying, and this is why I find it particularly problematic, because of the global perspective that Nat Geo provides. Milwaukee doesn't belong on this list. Did you say his name was Cavalier? Cavalier, yes. Oh, that's a great name. It's, it's, a, great. A, it's a good, listen... Unique names are the way to go. Anyway, Mary, why don't you get us started? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right, I will. Um, okay, I call this one, what's it going to be, Michael? Cold Hard Cash or the Bleach Blonde with Dark Roots? Uh, Michael gets home from the hospital, and he's walking through, and suddenly Kimberly flips on a light. She's sitting on the love seat, and she's like, hey, rough day at the hospital, sweetheart. He is surprised that she's there because, again, he thought she was in Rochester for what, was, again, was apparently a legitimate job interview because she came home very happy. Uh, that, that that just remains very weird that there was a job <laughs> job interview. And Christopher, Christopher, we didn't uh, hype your podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners the name of it? Oh, sure. It's called Melrose Sheltering in Place, um, which I know is uh, confusing because everybody wants to say sheltering in Melrose Place. Um but at the time when it came time to name it, I kind of felt like it shouldn't just have the full name in it. Um, but, you know, everybody else does it. So <laughs> maybe that sets us apart. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we are on a extended hiatus right now, but there are so many episodes. So people who haven't <laughs> heard of us have a lot to listen to. I think that um, one thing that makes us unique is that we gave up on season one and did the second half of season one as one episode. Mm -hmm. um, and that was quite the experience. Um, a little lifeline we threw ourselves. Yeah. Uh, also, I listened to, I, there's a new one that I found back on the block is a fourth Melrose Place podcast. Um, but uh, I listened to all of them, Mary. Nobody seemed to understand the significance of Mayo Clinic quite the way we do but it is a big deal i get it it's a big deal big yeah. deal at the mayo clinic it's, yeah, it's not just a joke from the movie airplane it's it's real <laughs> <laughs> they should rename it they should rename it though yeah or 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 repronounce it mayo or something <laughs> anyway carry on mary all right uh amanda has found or uh, forgive me uh kimberly has found some of amanda's underwear and goes what's all this and she's twirling it around on her fingers <laughs> michael is like i know what you're thinking <laughs> which is you know it's not whatever yeah, comes yeah. Uh, he's like amanda's in the icu and she might not make it and kimberly replies so she will do her wonder bra there's <laughs> a nice touch of the 90s i don't think they still make wonder bras i think those are gone um he keeps making more excuses, like, oh, she was really sick. Kimberly is like, you brought her into our marriage bed, which is another great thing people don't say, I think, anymore. Uh, he's like, oh, no, no, I was trying to give her a reason to live by taking care of her so she would think that I like her. Uh, Kimberly is not really buying that, uh, but she tells him to come over and give, him a, give her a kiss, which actually what she says is, come give mommy a kiss, which is very uncomfortable. Uh, this doofus goes over, they start smooching, and he she bites him on the tongue, and he pulls um, away bleeding. We should we should just count our blessings that she didn't try to breastfeed him. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> She's a spontaneous lactator. <laughs> what a world. Uh, she tells Michael that love hurts. Remember that. And he sits on the couch going, ah, oh, geez, which I thought was a funny touch. Uh, 
The next day at the hospital, Kimberly's working and the insurance guy from last week who came to the beach house shows up and he's there for Michael, but she's like, oh, I'm his wife. How can I help you? And he's like, oh, you don't look like the same lady I saw last week. It's good. You got out of bed. She's <laughs> really confused. Uh, he's like, yeah, we met. Remember? And she takes his card. She's like, I don't want to buy any insurance. <laughs> He says, no, no, I've got this $100,000 settlement check. Her jaw drops. And he's like, oh, I would have thought your husband would have explained it. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I, he's so protective of me since the accident. He likes to, doesn't like to bother with details. Uh, but, like, but remember, this insurance guy thinks that Kimberly is an invalid at this point and can't get out of bed. And she's standing there full doctor scrubs, full <laughs> doctors, like lady doctor scrubs, but still full doctor scrubs. And he doesn't question it and just turns yeah. over the money. Shouldn't he have like rethought their the insurance company's decision when he ran into her? I would think so. I would think yeah. so. I thought they were a little more like strict with those things, but apparently not. Uh, so she takes the check and she signs for it. Uh, she goes and bumps into Michael as he leaves Amanda's room at the hospital. He tells her if she bites him again, he's driving a stake through her heart. So this marriage is going well. Uh, <laughs> She's like, oh, this insurance guy came with this big check and Michael wants it. But she's like, oh, no, no, it's your lucky day. I am feeling generous. It's all yours. All you have to do is kiss your terminally ill girlfriend goodbye. Okay. He's like, oh, no, no, baby, baby, baby. She's not my girlfriend. She's my patient. <laughs> Kimberly's like, what's it going to be, Michael? Cold hard cash or the beach blonde with the dark roots? He looks back and forth and she's like, all it takes is one word. Goodbye, farewell, a Vader saying adieu. He goes, Auf Wiedersehen is two words, which makes me laugh. He's such a bitch. And he's not. <laughs> he really did a great job with that. Uh, she's like, okay, if you want the money, you got to tell Amanda to get lost. He does that heavy sigh. And then he turns on his charm. He's like, oh, baby, this has nothing to do with Amanda. You and I have been through so much together. I want our marriage to work. I'm willing to give it a try if you are. She gives him a little kiss and doesn't bite him. And she's like, I knew you would come to your senses. And he's like, so how about the check? <laughs> Uh, she says, I'm going to deposit it in our joint account as a sign of our commitment to one another. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They start kissing. We're looking at Michael's face. He is rolling his eyes while they're kissing, which made me laugh. Uh, later, a lady walks up to Kimberly at the hospital that we've never seen before, and she serves her with divorce papers. Who saw mm. this coming? Uh, she runs and finds Michael. Well, it's a real pro-divorce standpoint you have, Mary. Your tone is so happy. <laughs> well, these two, I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, he says, looks like I'm ending our marriage. You misrepresented yourself. You knew how important having a family was to me. You promised to give me one. And now you're barren. <laughs> oh my God. She is like, you can't possibly be this cruel. He says, this is valid grounds for any marriage. Just ask your lawyer. She's crying and pleading. And he says he wants out. He's in love with someone else. Someone who's wonderful and normal. That doesn't exist. Nobody's normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question because it's been a long time since I saw these episodes, except for this one we're talking about. I just watched twice. Um, did they get married before or after the car crash? After. So the car crash and then she died. He married Sydney. Yeah. And she came back. So he divorced Sydney and then they got married quickly. You probably don't even remember it when they were chasing. Oh, in Vegas. Jane right. to Vegas. Yeah. So basically he's like the car crash that I caused made you barren. Yeah. And that's why I want a divorce. Yeah. And it's okay. the city's fault. Right. Yeah. And we have the check to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I it's Yeah. 
I don't know that it's really would survive in a dwarf's court. I don't know if you'd get away with these excuses. Um, she's very upset and he's being kind of a cocky asshole. And he's like, I've been planning on doing this ever since you walked back into my life, like a refugee from night of the living dead. <laughs> Which is pretty mean. That's pretty mean, but it's a funny line because she did walk back in like a zombie at that point. So remember there was the ficus that was dying and then they both lived. And she um, died. She died. She did. She, she was fu- She was fully dead. She's fully dead. Uh, he she, says she was just in Ohio, right? <laughs> That's the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Michael thinks he deserves an Oscar for his performance, best ask- actor in a bedroom farce. Every time I kissed you, all I thought about was that insurance loot coming my way. It was the only thing that kept me from gagging. Now, I don't think this insurance thing has been going on that long, right? This seems like a relatively new development, so I don't think he's being honest. Oh, let me tell you something. Here's <laughs> here's some deep research I did. Because, oh. <laughs> Christopher, if you remember that, check Peter Burnscow for $25,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends over at Again With This did a free screen and saw that it was dated like in the 80s. <laughs> so when this check came out, I paused and zoomed in. Mm-hmm. And the, the check was made out to, I think, Dr. Michael Mancini, but it was dated January 19th, 1995. This aired on March 12th. So I think that tells me, like, they meant for this storyline to come at, like, the mid-season, and they pushed it back to be timing with Kimberly going mm-hmm. crazy. Oh. Well, and, could- which also might make sense. We've heard about the frenetic pacing of the recording of the, the scenes. And even in this episode, there was not continuity between Amanda being furious at Michael for playing games and Amanda being like, oh, Michael, I need you so much. You're so great. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's a weird juxtaposition. Okay. I mean, it's chemo brain, you know, it happens. (laughs) Also, I learned this from Christopher listening to your last episode for episodes 21 through 23. Uh, Remember, Amanda was supposed to be losing her hair. Right. And that's what we all deserve was bald Amanda. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> well, we're not we're not getting that. But uh, no, I don't think I am not buying that Michael wasn't in love with Kimberly. I do not buy that. No, there are two crazy peas in a pod. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, Kimberly is very upset. Uh, later, she goes home and she begins writing a suicide note. Uh, being with Michael has been a painful addiction, one I'm not strong enough to free myself from. Please know that my reason for doing this is not to punish you, but to escape you, which is also dark. Uh, she gets up and she takes a bunch of pills and sits out on the deck. Michael gets home from work later. Uh, he's mad because she's she wasn't supposed to be there because he's there to pack up his stuff. He approaches her. He's like, hey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I don't understand. Mancini. He, hey. Uh, he checks her pulse and... There's an empty pill bottle and he's like, oh God. And he goes to call 911. He does. The operator picks up and he gets his scheming look on his face and he doesn't say anything. And the operator's going, is there anybody there? And then he hangs up and smiles and laughs. Mwahaha. Cliffhanger. Um, this is very, very soapy. It is very, very soapy. It's very satisfying, but it's also a little bit out of nowhere. Again, I don't think Michael... Uh, I don't think he loves Kimberly anymore, but I think he did love her because he certainly has gone back to her several times. Uh, you know, I think it makes sense storyline wise, like, cause like you said, we're, we're pushing toward Kimberly really going over the cliff, so to speak pretty soon. I get why the show is doing this, but it is very, very soapy. The whole, from start to finish, from the, the, the 
the biting him to the suicide attempt to um, just dangling that big check around. It's oh. it's a lot. It's fun, but it's a lot. Okay. I'll just make a, a defense of why this storyline is art. It wasn't one of my points, but before Christopher weighs in, here's my <laughs> best shot. This is what, I, as you know, I am the feminist in the world. You have a, a degree in feminism, right? I have a women's studies degree. Yes. So I'm the feminist. Mm -hmm. But what I remember is what is the number one cause of poverty for women in America? It is divorce. Divorce is such a crushing moment for women. And Kimberly portrayed that so well, like her whole life crumbled. It drove her to attempt suicide, which we know will not be successful. But that that moment where she's like slithering back against the wall, just feeling her whole world where she feels so weak and helpless and alone. I think they were uh, gathering uh, this, this storyline to help us understand just the um, precarious nature professional 90s cinderellas are under wow that's my defense that's as good as I well i gotta say that it was a very very soapy moment and it's kind of reliving one very soapy thing about melrose place where there's always a check it's always for a very even number for some reason <laughs> it gets bigger every time but <laughs> It's never as big as you want it to be or even close. Um, you know, like he he said that he and Amanda can run away and be happily, uh, go happily ever after for a hundred grand. Yeah, like, I have that. That's my note. A hundred K equals happily ever after. Yeah. Like, um, I bet that boat she used to live on. Um, <laughs> like the maintenance for one year on that boat would be more than that. It's not that much money, even in like 90s terms, really. Yeah. That's, he probably was making close to that. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she could have gone to college in the 90s for it. <laughs> <laughs> she apparently built D&D &D from the ground up with, at this point, as far as we know, seven years of marketing experience. Right. <laughs> so $100,000 isn't doing it for him. Christopher, what's your verdict? Is Mary right or... Yeah, on this one, it's very soapy. Um, and I will go so far as to say that um, the writers weren't even as soapy as they needed to be because um, Kimberly would have been smart enough to not have this suicide note with her on a windy deck where it certainly <laughs> would have blown away. She would have at least safety pinned it to her lapel or something. Um, but I honestly think she would have just you know done it in a nice warm bath or something but the christopher i don't i think i know how far along you are in melrose place but the safety pin to her chest uh <laughs> was foreshadowing just remember remember this moment okay. later in the series okay. okay well let me i would like to tell you my point of why this is high art for the generations and it's loosely connected but it has to do with amanda in the hospital and it has to do with capitalism and that in this society the way you show love and affection is only with things that cost money right it's it's mm. right there in the golden girls theme song right you will right. see that the the biggest gift was from me right mm. and that means i, I care about you the most because i'm your best friend so amanda's in the hospital right as we saw yesterday last week she was carried away by michael who again had to go back to work because Amanda was being so dramatic with her illness, whatever. So it's a, a cavalcade of people kind of coming in and out uh, to see Amanda. Um, 
And th there's a quote where she says to, I think Matt, she's rather chipper for Amanda Woodward. And she says, so who else came to visit me and what did they bring? And, <laughs> and, that, and that, that's the, 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 the quote that I would like to bring out. But it goes on uh, because Joe is there. No, Jane, it was Jane was there. And Jane says, oh, well, me and Joe bought you this orchid. And Amanda looks full of judgment and says, oh, you went in on it together? <laughs> See, I thought the orchid was from her and um, Allison, because when she mentioned that Allison wasn't there, that's when she was like, oh, well, we, we got you this orchid. No, uh, so Brooke came and handed the rose from Allison because... Right, okay. Yeah, so I, I imagine we're going to talk about Brooke, Billy, and Allison later. Uh, <laughs> if you're not, I am. But Allison is at the hotel, or I'm sorry, at the hospital after work. And only when she's standing outside of Amanda's hotel or hospital room does she say, I actually don't think she wants to see me. I'm going to mm. go. And I'm like, you drove through LA traffic. <laughs> After work, in a job that you are overwhelmed by and struggling to keep up just to get here and at this moment decide to drive off on your own, which also means you drove separately. <laughs> now, it, you know, it just occurred to me that those two buildings might be on the same street, at least, because isn't it the Wilshire Professional Center and Wilshire Memorial Hospital? Yeah, I think they are both. I think you're right. Hmm. Never thought of that before. So, you know, she might have just crossed a couple of sky bridges. Who knows? <laughs> apparently. There's a bus. <laughs> so Dan and Jenny live in L.A. And apparently they, they regularly talk about there's no way you got from the beach house to Melrose in 20 minutes or whatever. So uh, I guess the concept of time is different. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless. Anyway, that's my point for high art for the generations. Amanda Woodward measuring how much people care for her based on how much money they spent. And I will say this ties back to her character beat uh, from when she got visited by Scrooge McDuck, where she said, where are my mourners? She now has some mourners. Right. Yeah. Where are my mourners? <laughs> uh, well, it's awkward because I was going to talk about that later. Oh, but you have to decide. You have to. Well, Christopher has to weigh in on if this is art or not, or do we have to hold it? Um, here, let me let me assess my notes. Um, assess the notes the case file assess my file um i mean i guess do you want me to just go i just do my next point is that okay or or i mean if i'm being asked my opinion i'm okay with it that might have been a question just for teach <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'll just go i'll just go in all right well i called this one oh you went in on it together <laughs> uh, like you said I won't recap the whole thing she is inventorying everyone who has called or visited or brought flowers and Matt is answering her like literally person by person this really <laughs> made me laugh I thought this was so funny and it is totally what Amanda Woodward would do at 100% yeah. she would do this um, she asks what Joe sent and like you said Jane says oh we got you this orchid Amanda says oh you went in on it together and I had to pause it because I was laughing and then we come back to Jane who goes, well, it was very expensive. <laughs> uh, and then Amanda kind of dryly goes, ah, you shouldn't have. Uh, Brooke is lingering there. And Amanda asks, do I know you? Which also <laughs> makes Brooke says, yeah, we met at the Century Awards, at the Advertising Awards. Billy's like, oh, yeah, she's interning at D&D now. And Brooke chimes in, oh, I'm Allison's new assistant, but it's not a permanent position. Hold on, uh, pause. Are we, do you, are we supposed to think that Amanda forgot that she saw Brooke packing up her office? Or is this another, they filmed it 
out of order. Oh, I don't know. I, on one hand, I could think, well, maybe she forgot who she forgot Brooke because she was so mad at Allison. She was seeing red. But on yeah. the other hand, I think you that was a moment you would have you remembered it. And she did but, threaten to kill Brooke. Yeah, and Brooke also would have been like, "Yeah, you know me from the office." Office. Yeah, yeah I. She wouldn't have the, just said those. I'm words. here to pack up the orchid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, so Brooke hands her the rose that Allison left when she chickened out and didn't come in, which I do think was the correct decision. She says Allison wishes Amanda a speedy recovery. Amanda takes the flower and kind of tosses it out of frame and goes, I bet she does. Uh, Amanda's like, hey, Brooke, can you deliver a message to Allison? Tell her I've got some bad news. She's going to have to put away her dancing shoes because I'm not dead yet. Amanda <laughs> smiles and everyone else smiles awkwardly because it's very uncomfortable. The next day at work, a big bouquet of flowers arrives for Brooke. And the card says, congratulations on your new job. Please come visit me at the hospital. Amanda. Intriguing. Uh, just then Allison and Billy walk in. Billy is walking like he's never walked before in this scene. He's wearing his jeans <laughs> and a vest. It's like he's walking on his tippy toes. I rewound it. A few, very strange. <laughs> strange posture. Um, he's trotting behind her. Allison's like, oh my God, these flowers are just stunning. Who are they from? And Brooke lies. And she said they're from her fiance, Lowell, which is a name I've only ever heard rich people have. So it, well done to the writers. Or on wings. <laughs> uh, oh, Billy's like, oh yeah, he's nice. I met him. Allison wants to meet him too. Maybe they could go out for dinner. We'll talk about that later. Uh, they walk away and there's dramatic piano music and Brooke rereads the card from Amanda and gets a scheming look. <laughs> uh, later, uh, Brooke pops her head into Amanda's room uh, while that, Michael's in there and Amanda's like, get out of here. He's leaving. Uh, <laughs> Brooke comes in and Amanda's like, I'm going home soon and I'm going to go back to work at D&D, but I need a favor. And Brooke smiles kind of coyly. She's like, sure. I don't know you all that well. Amanda's like, let me tell you a few things about myself. And whenever I hear that, I think of Caroline Manzo on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> I'll try not to talk like Caroline Manzo. Uh, let me tell you a few things about myself. I built D&D from the ground up. It was mine. Then I got sick and Allison moved in. But when I'm at full strength, I am a tough, vindictive boys club member. I don't give up and I don't give in. And now that I'm feeling better, I intend to get my job back from Allison. And when I do, I'm going to turn that agency upside down. The only thing left standing will be the filing cabinets. Brooke looks intimidated. Amanda goes on. She's like, I need an advanced team. I want you to be my eyes and ears at D&D. And Brooke's like, like your spy? And Amanda goes, exactly. <laughs> or consider yourself fired. <laughs> okay. Brooke's like, well, I don't mean to be rude, but from what Allison says, you're never coming back. And Amanda says, well, you can listen to Allison or you can listen to me, but I think we both know a sure thing when we see it. And they both smile at each other. This is delightful. I forgot about this from the last time we watched it. Uh, this is very soapy. I love the part with Amanda asking what everyone brought or visited or gave her. Because again, that is something Allison would do or Amanda would do. Um, I love her sending these flowers to D&D &D, like in this ostentatious way, which was sure to get attention from other people. And so it kind of made Brooke think on her feet. Maybe it was a little test. I don't know. Um, Brooke, I forgot like she's a lot smarter than she lets on I think at first and I think her little brain is always chugging and twirling and this all just seems really soapy I forgot that it happened and it was fun but it's ridiculous and I like it 
Also, the 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 size of the flowers that Amanda got the intern to see if she would scheme with her is more evidence that one hundred thousand dollars was not going to be enough for her and Michael to run away forever. On. <laughs> yeah, that was a big arrangement. That was yeah, that. I'm thinking that was like a seven hundred dollar arrangement. And I think so. So that's like almost a thousand dollars right there. That's yeah. almost one percent of a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Like mm-hmm. that that money's not gonna last. And you know Michael is gonna need to buy a hospital room full of flowers for Amanda at some point. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how he can because he doesn't have any money. Well, he's got all this hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> all right, Christopher, what's your verdict before we take a break? Oh, um about well, so the thing that Amanda asked uh, Brooke to do, which is to be her eyes and ears to spy. Um, I think when this happened, it was like the fifth time that somebody's asked somebody to do that on this show. <laughs> it's like the standard soapy subterfuge subterfuge. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to go soap on that one. Um, but I bet you have a pretty good point about, how it might also be high art. Okay. Um, All right. Listen, we knew season three was not my season. So <laughs> I don't know which one will be. <laughs> I look forward to finding out. <laughs> season one. <laughs> well, you know, like Billy getting a credit card, high art. God. Struggling under the weight of $2,000 in student loan debt for, <laughs> for ski trips, high art. Oh my God. <laughs> Because it wasn't good enough for herself. <laughs> Are you picking up the cat's purring? It just adds to the ambience. That's not part of the ad. This week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Uh-oh. You've gone to visit your friend at the hospital, but you forgot to bring flowers. <laughs> Wilshire Memorial now has an on-site flower shop that can fill all your floral needs. Now, will our offerings impress the person you're coming to visit? That really depends on that person. Um, let's talk about price points, okay? Flowers are okay. expensive. Yep. They're expensive for good reason, right? Because somebody had to grow them. Nope. They came out of the earth. No, there's no re- actually no real good reason. There, what is the difference between a flower and a weed? To be honest, it's just a designation. I think so- what you're asking me to do right now is send you a bouquet of dandelions, and I'm saying <laughs> um, flowers are expensive because like they they need a lot of environmental conditions to grow them. They need to be kept warm. They need to be kept moist. They need to get a lot of sun. You need got heat lamps. Do you know how much it costs to buy a heat lamp? This is some pro corporate propaganda coming from you right now. This is some capitalist brainwashing big floral got their hands <laughs> their oh. green thumbs all over oh my god i'm covered in green um yeah so i mean that flowers are expensive okay but we understand at yeah, the wilshire memorial hospital flower shop <laughs> people have different price points right so for example let's say you've recently been promoted to being the president of an advertising firm yes and- oh my gosh yeah, right? that's fantastic and let's you know let's just hypothetically say that the person you're coming to visit is your former boss who got fired and you took her job. So like, <laughs> was it a very dramatic, rude firing as well, Mary? Yeah, I, I would think so, right? I would think so. Um, so you're gonna show up at the hospital, all right? And now you've you've got some you got some splaining to do about the whole firing thing, you know. The whole think, firing, I took your job, all that. You know, it's a little tense. I think it's fair to say it might be a little tense. So you're gonna go in the flower shop and what do you what are you gonna pick out? 
Ooh. Um, well, unlike any other purchase, I'm going to say, here's the dollars I would like to spend. What does that buy me? Oh, that's that's a good way to think about buying floral arrangements. Well, you know what what a lot of people, or at least one person's gut instinct is single red rose. <laughs> single red rose. Because you know what what is just a really thoughtful gesture is just one rose that you bought in the flower shop that's in a plastic sleeve. Um, and you are again now the president of an advertising firm, so you have some income apparently. But no, mm-hmm. single red rose. That's our basic starting point. That's our one of our lowest costs. Now, let's say, for example, you are you happen to be a patient at the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you just you met someone new from your former workplace, and you're like, I'd like to get in, get in with this one, you know. Maybe I'll send them a little something and instead of them bringing me flowers, I'll send them flowers to get them to come visit me in the hospital. Wait, what? Why would you do that? That makes perfect sense. Um, What you'd want to do, and Wilshire Memorial can do this, even though it requires us sending the flowers off-site, we're going to send about a $700 bouquet to their office where they work. $700? That seems like the perfect price point for an intern that you just met. Because what you're going to do is you're going to ask them for a favor. Like you, just guy- met, you just met for the second time and pretended like you did not threaten to kill them already. Yeah. Yeah. You want to gloss. Again, a lot of glossing over of things happening when people are visiting the hospital. Um, so yeah, a $700 price point is what we recommend for that. And you're going to send a very lavish arrangement, not to their home, but to their workplace. And you're going to write them a card that says, hey, come visit me at the hospital. This all makes perfect sense, right? So far... I think. Okay. What about this situation? Let's say you're, you're a young, a young person and you know, you've got, you've got a a significant other. Yes. Tell me more. You know, you live, let's say just, just, just for for fun. Let's just say maybe you live in a mansion. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of grounds. Like you've got your own groundskeeper probably that's hanging around, taking care of all the pools and the goldfish ponds and everything Mm -hmm. else. You and your significant other, you decide, hey, let's have sex on this hard wooden bench. <laughs> now, let's uh, say but how hard is the bench? It looks pretty hard. <laughs> you know, so yeah, your significant other, they want to commemorate the situation. First you think, oh, maybe a plaque. Maybe we'll put a plaque up here. Because <laughs> we did it. Would, would the plaque uh, have the text sung to the tune of the Saturday Night Live skit? With Justin Timberlake that went, I just had sex. Yeah, there's a yeah, there'd be a button. A button to play, and it felt so good. Like those cards you can get at the store that play the they play like Earth Wind and Fire songs. (laughs) All right. So like what maybe let's say you're you're this you want to commemorate this, this bench. Of course you do. Of course you do. You're thinking plaque, and then you go, no, 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 no. If you come down to Wilshire Memorial Hospital's flower shop. What we would recommend is a trellis <laughs> behind the bench. And then you weave beautiful roses to vine up through that trellis. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't mean to criticize the Wilshire Memorial uh, gift shop, but, but maybe flower shop. We're separate maybe. from the gift shop. <laughs> Neighboring kiosks. You have to walk through the gift shop to leave, but not the flower shop, right? Like that's what yes. it is. Okay, maybe, maybe put the trellis uh, not behind the bench, but in front of the bench, in between the sex and the father smoking a cigar in the library. Maybe maybe just flip the orientation. I really just wish- Just a thought, just a thought. 
I really, I don't know what your yard looks like, but I really hope that you have a bench and that every time you go by it now, you think of this ridiculous, this, this whole storyline. Um, I mean, those are just three examples of great reasons to get flowers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I sat and thought about this and wrote this in advance, I could have thought of a lot of others. Um, let's say, for example, I mean, let's go way back to season one, way uh-huh. back we're in the time machine. You know, there was one young man who was very enamored of one of the one of the waitresses, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he it, he he actually came into Wilshire Memorial to get some ideas. <laughs> and he didn't wind up buying from us because he worked at a greenhouse, but he covered his his lady's pool in beautiful water lilies. Was not his lady. <laughs> he thought she was. No, he did not. This was. This was the stalking victim you're you're joking about. And you know, we here at the Wilshire Memorial Flower Shop, we fully think that's a great idea. And like, oh. we can recreate that in the hospital for your patient. We we can take their bathroom sink in the, if they have an on. Yeah, yeah. We can put some water lilies in there for them. So when they go in to use the bathroom, it's serene and relaxing because they're recuperating. That's great. I wonder, okay, so will the Wilshire Memorial Flower Shop, not gift shop, if I want to send someone some flowers, I just really want to um, make sure they absorb the message, but I want them spray painted with the word whore on them. Will Wilshire Memorial do that or do I need to come with the spray paint? We can do that for you for an extra fee. And for a little bit extra, just a little bit extra, we'll use the glitter spray paint. (laughs) Yes. That's because nothing says you filthy whore like glitter. And you know what hospitals love? People using spray paint and other things in condensed cans, (laughs) medical equipment. Can't get enough of it, right? This is this is what I would like the inside of the box to say in glitter spray paint, but it's gonna need to be like with fine point spray. I wanted to say, first of all, whore, and then go on from there. I think we can make that happen. We've got a stencil artist on it. Is there a discount code? Is it whore? I think it is now. Good. Good. So really, again, for all your floral needs, they can't be met somewhere else, especially <laughs> if you're already coming to the hospital anyway. You come on down to Wilshire Memorial Hospital's floral shop, and the reaction you're going to get from your patient we hope it's something as great as, oh, you went on it together? And we are back for the second half of season three, episode 24 of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing to live and die in Malibu. I'm Tej. I'm Mary. And I'm Christopher. Oh, and I my- just had the thought that it's so different in the age of podcasts because i was about to say if you're just tuning in we've been wait you can't just tune in in a podcast (laughs) yeah if you just started in the middle for no goddamn reason why would you do that why would you do that (laughs) that would be more work well what now now perhaps one good explanation could be the listeners just wanted to start at at just an awesome point of high art for the generations oh right well Um, and I would like to talk about Jess and Jake in Sydney. Okay. The overriding quote is, I was cheating on him, but I had a good reason. Because <laughs> I think that typifies hookup culture in the early 2000s. Um, can you refresh? I couldn't remember what her good reason would have been. Can you refresh my memory? <laughs> she, was, she was kidnapped. 
Oh, and right. Had to, and had to order room service to so stay Stockholm alive. So Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. That is a good reason. <laughs> no, it was that I, I joke about Sydney. It was also because Jake got jumped. I'm going to bring this point. He got jumped because he was being threatened by goons. Mm-hmm. Right, I forgot about the goons. Because they, if he, if he didn't pay them to provide protection, then they were going to beat him up. And it turns out somehow that Chris, the Australian J.C. Penny executive, was in the mob. They never really explained that. Christopher, no, you're you're halfway through season four, right? Um, something like that. Let me. I can actually tell you. Um, I think through episode fifteen. I know because I'm tracking how close we are to catching up. <laughs> I keep typing. So our last episode was episodes 13 through 15. Has has he come back yet to face justice for stealing Jane's money? <laughs> I don't remember if he has or not. I mean, uh, so that episode was June 30th. <laughs> <laughs> That's over six months ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so here's what happened. Uh, Jess, uh, Jake's uh, older brother, uh, comes back into town. Uh, Mary, this episode, we have a little brother count of two. He said little brother twice. Yeah. And he there said, were a couple other brothers in there, too. And he said baby brother once. So I'm going to keep keep a running tally. It felt like a lot more than that. <laughs> you keep your own tally, then. I don't know what I'm to tell you. To, but okay. I'm going to offer that. So Jess, Jess walks into Shooters that is empty. This is what I wanted to say. Nobody's in this building when Jess walks in. Earlier this season, Jake got beat up at the dumpsters by mob goons because security was such a rough situation. Ricky was able to come in and destroy the bar. And they're not locking the door. Yeah, they should. Good. He, he should have been knocking on the door. And yelling, Jake, Jake, it's me, your brother, Jess. Little brother, answer the door. Little brother. <laughs> Little brother, it's your big brother. <laughs> answer the door as if I'm your whole brother. <laughs> you guys talk about that, Why the, the odd phrasing of almost like he was my whole brother. <laughs> no, I, I noticed that today when I was rewatching. Um, but we, we didn't talk about it that I remember. Um, but see, the, the Melrose sheltering in place aesthetic we are way more likely to talk about like how hot somebody is uh-huh. um or like how jesse looks like a werewolf yes mary says it yep. yes, I've seen it for years. <laughs> you All know right. well sydney comes in and says oh excuse me sir we don't oh, we're not open yet and he says he's jake's brother and sydney says i didn't know he had a brother to which jess probably responded in real life with some version of well, I mean, I'm not a real brother. I'm only a half brother, but I loved him like he was my whole brother. God. Anyway, so Jess, this fucking sit. I can't even believe what she's thinking. So Jess kind of explains what he's doing and says, Jake doesn't know I'm here. And Sydney says, I love surprises. I'd be happy to show you where he lives. And then she just <laughs> walks him right to Jake's house and knocks on the door. And stops doing her morning duties to get ready to open. Yes, she's opening the bar. But and and intends to fully hang out. And I think I was thinking, why did she do this? And I think it was, oh, she thought she had a way to like get in close with Jake again. Cause she tried to mm. when Jake let Jess in, Sydney tried to walk in and, and Jake kind of like put his arm up and said, We'll be fine here, Sydney. Anyway, 
So Sydney just takes this guy who claims to be Jake's brother and walks him to where Jake lives. Sydney, by the way, who had to sleep with Chris Marchette to protect Jake from the mob. <laughs> had to. <laughs> listen, Very good reason. Listen. Very good. <laughs> I, I may have to sleep with that guy too. You never know. You, you never know. Okay. Uh, so they're both talking about what a slut their mother is. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I loved their mom. She's one of my, she's uh, as an actress, she's in one of my favorite movies of all time. Have you ever seen Ruthless People? No. Please make that the next movie you watch. You won't regret it. I will. I saw this about Virgo somewhere that we will often say like, I'll check that out. And with no intention, I don't even remember it, but <laughs> I'll check it out. Anyway, they're talking a lot about their mother, the slut. And the, our friends with Again With This talked about last episode how like, hey, if she wants to have a man in her bed, you let her. Like, you don't, that's, that's not your job. Who are these boys to try and stop their mother from living her best life? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jake offers Jess a job is, since he's going to be staying around and Jess says, well, all right, little brother, put me on the payroll. Again, no HR anywhere. No, no one has an HR department in, at this time. Yeah. So Jess is kind of getting to know the job with Sydney and he says he seems he lucked out in the little brother department and Jess and Sydney are kind of getting to know each other. Jess seems to be flirting with Sydney at first. That was my read. And then he starts to realize there's something between Sydney and Jake and Sydney explains we belong together. He just doesn't know it yet. It's taking him longer to figure it out. Just that's what happened. And Sydney had to reveal, well, he dumped me. I was cheating on him, but I had a good reason to which Jess didn't seem to have any like, oh, okay, he didn't, no follow-ups? That, that requires some follow-ups, right? No clarification needed, it's fine. <laughs> All right, we learn, because Joe was there at the bar talking to Jake, probably about Austin being missing, and she says she's hungry and he needs to take a break from work, and Jess and Sid say they'll close up the bar, and Jake is very visibly nervous about this. We learn that Jess is sleeping on a cot, even though, as Joe said, Jake, you have that cozy little apartment. <laughs> I didn't understand. Anyway, Jess and Sid lock up. Sid leaves. Sydney leaves. Jess inside to sleep on the cot, which we did not see a cot, by the way. Sydney takes the keys to lock the building from the outside. She locked him in. What the fuck are they doing? Why would she take the keys with her? Why wouldn't he lock like, it from the inside? Back to Jake, maybe? Oh, maybe. Okay. Fine. I, get... I don't know if that's a good reason or not, but. Hmm. And. You know, what if he needs to leave? Yeah. Like, what if he needs to go buy some Diet Dr. Pepper or something? Like, yeah. What if there's it? a full moon? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why she locked him in uh, to keep him from murdering. <laughs> this is to protect the good people of Melrose Place. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, Jess is locked in. He hears the door close and he immediately opens up the filing cabinet and starts rifling through the papers only for Sydney to kind of slowly walk back and see him. And she like clearly clocks that something's going on. And he tells her, you know, one sure way to lose a boyfriend is to stick your nose in his family business. To which I say, no, it's to cheat on him. Even if you think you have a good reason, we've covered this already. What the <laughs> hell are they talking about? Uh, then this whole storyline ends with Jake and Jess later talking about the robbery and getting busted and blah, 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 blah. But the, it, Jess is moving into Jake's apartment. So things are moving fast with these two kids. Oh, the high art, the high art. I was cheating on him, but I had a good reason, typified by hookup culture. And the modern concept 
of a hall pass, even in even in mm. contemporary marriages, the idea like, look, we're monogamous with each other, but yeah, I get it. If Leonardo DiCaprio comes walking by, things are going to happen. That's I get who you it. chose. <laughs> I. <laughs> it's another nineties. Listen, reference. listen, I. I, the year was 2001 i had to pick one i did and now i'm stuck with them okay his face is so square though um there's another high art thing in here um that just came to me uh i feel like this story has been done so many times where there are brothers who are not talking uh maybe even so far as estranged because one of them takes the fall for the other. Um, and it almost seems like there was never a good reason for them to do it unless they just wanted something to hold over the other brother. Um, but you see that a lot in movies and TV is the wrong brother took the heat. So yeah. yeah. And Jake went on to become this all-star football player, mm-hmm. which we talked about last week, Mary and I guess that checks out because Jake's dad had a football picture of him in his wallet. Yep. But I, I think it was Dan and Jenny. I could be wrong. One of the other podcasts pointed out um, you had to do well enough in school to stay on the football team. And Jake had to get his GED because he dropped out of high school. Mm. So maybe he wasn't an all-star football player, or maybe they just wiped the slate clean on season one since nobody was watching. Right. Or maybe, maybe the standard to be an all-star wasn't that high in the nineties. Maybe it was just, up for school today. You're maybe on. he was an all-star up through junior year. <laughs> and then took <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep the men out of my mother's bed. So senioritis. Men out of her pants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Christopher, it sounds like you're you're coming down on my side just accidentally that this might be an artistic storyline, just not for the reasons I identified. <laughs> no, I, I think it's your reason and a reason that I thought of. So um, I'm I contributing. T- I will take both points. Beat that, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> now we got a race. Oh, no. Okay. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just add a point? Not to, I, 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 I concede that you have won this. I would like to point out one of my favorite scenes. Where are my notes? Okay. So it's it's at, at the bar when Joe comes in and she's complaining to Jake about the photo shoot with Allison and what a bitch Allison was being. And she says, some jobs are just too big for some people. <laughs> then she goes on, you know, for all her faults, Amanda really had her act together. And it made me laugh. <laughs> it's like, they don't normally get along. Like she's that mad at Allison that she's yeah. mad about yeah. that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> They are doing a good job of kind of like Allison should not have been good at that job on day one. So that, that makes sense. Well, Allison, she should not have gotten that job at all. She was the receptionist like two years ago. She just barely was getting sexually harassed by the old, the old guy. Um, And so something you don't know about me is that I actually have ad agency experience and the agency where I interned one of the highest VPs, did start as a receptionist but she when i was an intern i think she was there that was her 28th year <laughs> like so, tw- so 26 years as president yeah exactly that's how allison <laughs> she's got a long way to go um but 
I, I think of it this way, like, you know how on soap operas, when they do allow a child to live, um, how, how it usually ages rapidly yeah. um, because nobody wants to see that. Um, so so then you end up with like Sarah Michelle Geller playing a kid who's supposed to be like 10 years younger than she is. Um, so I kind of think that that's what's happening with Billy and Allison. Like their careers are just um, on fast forward for our benefit. Yeah. Because nobody wants to see the boring part where they're, you know, mostly faxing and stuff. <laughs> I, on year three of her performance review where she has a, a goal of returning messages within 24 hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. All right, Mary, bring us home with Allison and Billy. All right. I called this one, you must either be very talented or very lucky. I think you're going to be able to guess which one I think it is. Uh, <laughs> Billy and Brooke pull up to her dad's house. A very short backstory. They need a place to have a photo shoot. Brooke offers up her dad's house because it has an East Coast feel. Uh, it's like a mansion. It's got a gate you drive through. And Billy's like, oh, my God, you live here. And she goes, I hope you don't have anything against rich women, Campbell. And he says, I'm not sure. How rich are you? And she says, filthy, which is a great response. That really made me laugh. Uh, we see the grounds and it's got like pools and ponds and like little bridges. And he starts going in for the logistical questions about the photo shoot. And she's like, don't worry about it. It's all good. And she wants to show him something. So they walk over to this wooden bench by the house that has a trellis behind it with flowers. And he's like, oh yeah, this would make a great backdrop for one of the photos. And Brooke's like, oh no, I don't think I want you to shoot here. And he says, why not? And she goes, this is a very special place. This is where I lost my virginity. <laughs> I should find out and listen, different strokes for different folks. It's a hard wooden bench. Right. <laughs> you got all these grounds, flowers and landscaping. You got a mansion, which presumably has some furniture. You went for the bench. That did that did not enter my mind at all. I, I just kind of so, figured she was standing up. I was so weirded out by the fact that dad, like she was watching her father smoke cigars while she was losing her virginity. Yes, yes, she goes on and he's Billy goes, well, should there be a plaque here somewhere? Which was also funny. Uh, she remembered sneaking out with her boyfriend. They undressed each other. They ran their hands all over each other. And all the while, her father was standing in the window of the library smoking his pipe with no clue what was going on. So this is weird. She's got some issues. she got some issues. That's great. Uh, just then this guy in a suit comes running up and she goes, Lowell. And she runs up and starts smooching him. And it's her fiance, Lowell, who is another rich guy. He's an investment banker. Billy's like, oh, you never mentioned you were engaged. Uh, Billy asks to borrow a phone to call Allison and she hands him a cellular phone. Oh. <laughs> Which she just dug into Lowell's pocket to get. <laughs> she does what she wants with pockets. We'll see more of that later. Uh, Back at work, Brooke asked Billy out to lunch and he says he's swamped. And she's like, the idea is to forget about work, escape with me. He's like, don't you have a fiance? She says, put your ego back in your pants. I was just trying to be friendly. Or maybe you're not mature enough to be friends with someone you're so obviously attracted to. Mm. Back at Brooke's house, Brooke's dad's house, let's be clear. Allison is stomping around acting like a dick. They're doing the photo shoot. Meanwhile, Brooke introduces her dad to Billy. And he's like, oh, Brooke has told me you're a vice president. And Billy's kind of clarifying, like, I'm one of the vice presidents. Like, I'm, yeah. a, uh, his, her dad is very impressed. He said, you must be either very talented or very lucky. I think you know which one I'm going to say. I think you know. <laughs> Pretty lucky. Uh, Allison <laughs> comes over and she goes, it doesn't hurt that he was engaged to his boss, which is real shitty. 
real <laughs> shitty. But real not nice. However, like, however, however, in her defense, this outfit was flawless. Her hair looked perfect. Oh no, Mary, I see your nonverbals. Our listeners can't see it. You're disagreeing. You're wrong. This was listeners, it was like a mint green, like a like a faded mint green, like a mint ice cream that's been left out in the sun. The that color power suit, short skirt, because it was the 90s, right? And her hair was flowy, I would say just a little below her shoulders and kind of swooped up a bit. She looked the best she has looked. So, you know, is she is she diminishing Billy's accomplishments and suggesting maybe he slept his way to the top? Fine. That's fine. Well, and if I remember correctly, Billy is actually the one who's accomplished more at D&D. Like, he's gotten a lot more accolades for what he's been doing. Um, she's just kind of an account service person. Like, she tries to you know, contribute ideas to these campaigns, but that's not her job. Um, ma'am, she won the award for the glorious gowns thing, <laughs> the century award. <laughs> what else did she do? She testified against the company for Chaz. I just had a thought yeah. it hasn't occurred to me before. Do you think Brooke fixed it so Allison won? Oh, of course. Oh yeah. But I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why she would have thought that that would be her in. And she wanted to get a, a job. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Allison had said maybe there's an internship, but like it, the way they want us to think about it, from the moment Allison walked into Brooke's office, Brooke had this plan. Yeah, and there's there's no reason for, to believe that. Um, I have a question: Is it glorious or glorious? Glorious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's just my Milwaukee accent, which which listeners you can hear more of if you listen to National Geographic and visit Milwaukee. <laughs> oh my god uh oh so yeah so brooke's dad he knows who allison is so that's her his daughter's boss brooke's like oh no i'm i'm just an intern mm-hmm. and her dad goes oh but you've been putting in such long hours i was sure you had a permanent position and allison now is in a very awkward position he goes well she does now and brooke doesn't know what to say allison excuses herself and brooke giggles and billy looks like he's thinking for once and he's like maybe Brooke is a little manipulative. <laughs> maybe, maybe just a little. Later, they go out to dinner. Uh, Allison and Billy on one side of the table. Brooke and Lowell are on the other. Uh, they're talking more about, oh, she, after they saw the flowers. And Allison's like asking about when they're going to have a wedding. And Brooke's like, oh, we got a plan around Lowell's investment banker schedule. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's a thing, apparently. I don't know. That's how you plan weddings, right? Like someone's schedule, you're like, oh, he's busy Thursdays at two. But like that doesn't you're you're blocking out a year in advance. What the, what are they talking about? I think she's just well, I think we're gonna find out. They they uh, didn't have Outlook yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> How would they know? They don't have a scheduling assistant. And thing. Com- yeah. computer mail took so long. You had to dial up to get it. Yeah. Um, so Lola's kind of kissing on Brooke and the camera pans down under the table. So you know something fun's coming. We see Brooke putting her hand on Billy's thigh. Yeah. Billy- Trying not to get startled, and he and Lowell are talking about how nice June weddings are at length. <laughs> Cut back to under the table, and Brooke's hand is moving up Billy's thigh. Billy gets very uncomfortable, and he excuses himself. And so we cut to the bathroom where Brooke comes bursting in and says, it's time you stop denying your feelings. She kisses him very aggressively. He says, I usually make it a policy not to kiss women whose fiancés are at my dinner table. Which- I, that, that was almost my argument, but I let it go. <laughs> she says her relationship with Lowell is a business deal. My father handpicked him. He's going to run the family business when daddy retires. 
but I have plans of my own. I'm going to run daddy's companies and I'm going to choose the father of my children. Daddy. Daddy. We just got done with someone, then a daddy, you know, we have another one. Uh, She says, in the first moment she met Lowell, she knew it wasn't going to be him. Uh, The bathroom door opens and this guy starts walking in and he sees Billy and Brooke. And he like very comically turns and looks at like the sign on the door to see which bathroom he's in. Uh, Brooke kind of takes that as your cue. And she's like, don't forget to zip your fly. And I swear to God, the other guy looks right at Billy's crotch. Like to see this. <laughs> <laughs> really um, this is a delightful little storyline that's just getting started. Um, I enjoy how devious Brooke is. Kristen Davis is really fun in this role and it's only going to get more ridiculous. I like that we have another young woman who keeps calling her father daddy and has a lot of daddy issues. And again, that whole bench thing is just out of control. Like <laughs> that's just well. But and I want to revisit that because when you can see somebody, they can see you. And um like I think that he must have just watched them. <laughs> He's like at a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I I am struggling to imagine a scenario where late at night, this powerful, rich guy is like, you know what I want to do? Just stand here and smoke this cigar. I don't want to read a book. I don't want to. Uh, no, I'm just going to stand right here and contemplate. So, okay. Christopher, before we actually let's weigh in on this. Is it is Mary? Is this art or trash that Mary is talking about here? Oh, let's see. Um, this is really trashy. Um <laughs> Okay, conceded. <laughs> However, there was a piece of art in there, Mary. I noticed you glossed over it. I think you must have done it on purpose. There was a, a quote from Brooke that I thought, um, I can't imagine anything being written more true to your life in Melrose Place than what Brooke said to Billy. Okay. Well, yeah, you left it out. I know you did. All right. Uh, so... Billy is working in in D and D, right? So this is right where Brooke said, "Like, oh, put your ego in your pants, Campbell." She keeps calling him Campbell because she's yeah. rich, filthy. Anyway, he's trying to say he's working on a deadline, and and she says, "Oh, a couple of hours won't make a difference. A couple of hours. Let me take you to lunch." <laughs> Stop. A lunch break that is multiple hours long. They used to call that a a low calorie lunch. We call that a married lunch because let me tell you, the 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 organization her and I worked at to worked at together, worked in quotations. The the organization her and I were jointly employed at uh closed at 4:30, specifically under the agreement that like your lunch is 30 minutes. That's not true. That is, that is true. And that then nobody followed true. it anymore. But then Mary... That's not what was in the handbook. <laughs> Mary Mary and my ex, he was not my ex at the time, but Mary and my ex would go to lunch for hours. Like the longest lunches. Certainly never 60 minutes. And they would just be like, yeah, we, you know, we went to, you know, the town 30 miles away for lunch in the middle of the day. Where, where are 30 miles away? Where are we going for lunch? I don't know what name to Name a town. You. I look forward I, to I, it. I can't, I, can't, I can't name the town. People will be able to pinpoint your location. I you know you're tricking me. But the idea that this lunch hour can be any amount of time, it's your free time, your employer has no claim to it. Well, I personally agree with that, right? Like that is true to my personal ethic. 
is mm-hmm. not the way D&D advertising was working, especially <laughs> since you remember just last week we learned lunches were outlawed by Amanda Woodward. <laughs> there was no going anywhere for lunch. And now Brooke is saying, I need to take you to lunch and it's going to take several hours. Well, Where's she's she- just an intern, so. And, and by the way, it's going to take several hours in a universe where you can drive from the beach to Melrose Place in 20 minutes. Where are they going? San Francisco? Ooh, Vegas. Maybe Vegas. we'll find this. Yeah. So that's the, the high art for the generations. Extended lunch hours. Mary, argue that that's not realistic. I would say that it's not realistic. I would say that I was not habitually taking lunch breaks that were longer than an hour. It happened occasionally, but usually because we also had to go run a work-related errand <laughs> after or before lunch. Multiple people? Errands requiring multiple people? It depends on how much we had to carry. <laughs> yeah, there was no PowerPoint. You had to get the printouts and bind them and stuff. They were heavy. Yes. Uh, there, yeah. <laughs> there were multiple instances of lunches at my house, Mary, where I was like, well, I have to go back to work. Bye, guys. And you were like, yeah, well, we're just going to get the chicken and start defrosting it. <laughs> you got there before us, usually. Because well, you usually. took your lunch breaks at precisely noon. We had to accommodate the rest of our office's schedules because we were the lowest ones on the ladder. So we had to go later. I've been to that office. It's now a seating area. I think they were doing fine without you. There were 12 people when I worked there. Now there's two. It's not good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've been right-sized. Okay. Anyway, that was that was my final <laughs> argument. Christopher, you can weigh in on it. Um, I I I I don't know that you really made an additional <laughs> point there. Um, but I want to talk about something that you're doing right now that I think is high art. Um, you mentioned earlier um, that Kimberly breastfed uh, poor baby Austin. You yeah, know, that that whole thing. Have you noticed that your microphone looks like a boob? Yes, I have. So our, our listeners, um, it's a snowball mic. And the way the camera is pointed, um, it's just, I'd say the top, I'd say 10th of, the, of the, the sphere is visible. But the red light on top does look like a glowing uh, lactating nipple from it's a like barren sore, yeah. Yeah, like, a, like a, a barren nipple that somehow has been producing it's inflamed. Yeah. All right. I have a question, Christopher. I could use your insight on this. Okay. I'm concerned about the pacing of season three because, as you know, we've watched this season before, back several years ago, and then I watched it way back in the 90s. So we know what happens in season three, what Kimberly does to the apartment building. It goes up. We know there's a person who dies who's not yet even been introduced on the show much less the storyline that she that she's going to be romantically involved with one of the the character or her husband is going to be romantically involved with. like they're not even here yet the hearts haven't shown up <laughs> allison yeah. is drunk during the explosion because she's so upset about billy's marriage to someone who has an existing fiance like how are they going to go in five episodes to where <laughs> they need this to be well that's just that goes to show the absolute talent in that writing room like you know it's it's not about how you get there it's about getting there at the exact speed you need to like you know i mean mackenzie hart has not appeared and she's gotta come soon because she's gotta go soon (laughs) doesn't have much time left she doesn't know it 
Christopher, have you guys talked on your show or have we talked about what they initially planned to do for the explosion scene? Um, I don't think so. Their initial plan was for Kimberly to have hijacked oh, the an plane airplane. Yeah, that's right. With Sid- um, Sydney tied up in it and yeah. crash it into Melrose Place. That's that's a very like um, cartoon superhero kind of thing where like somebody gets tied to a rocket. <laughs> Um, it is a little like Roadrunner and the Coyote. Yeah. 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 Which it's too bad that it didn't happen, but I understand that current events force their hand a little bit. Because um, I watched the uh, unauthorized yes. story. Yeah. Oh, Mary, we have to watch that at the end of this season. Didn't we already watch that once? Yeah, back in the back 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, the okay. right The right time to watch it would be at the end of watching season three because... It spoiled the end of season three for me when I watched it at the end of season one. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. So I knew for two whole seasons how season three was going to end. I didn't I didn't know the details, but I knew what I needed to know or yeah. didn't want to know. You know what I mean? I <sighs> think the first time we watched season three, we took a break for like a couple of weeks between. No, we stopped. We stopped at the end of three, season three before the alleged bombing had happened and so i just kept referring to it as the alleged bombing for quite some time because i had not seen season four yeah because they they had to delay the ad they had filmed the bombing but they couldn't play it because oklahoma city had just happened yeah but then we just delayed watching it yeah because not tired out of respect <laughs> out of respect. <laughs> we're gonna wait we're gonna wait a while <laughs> this just doesn't feel appropriate to me well christopher this has been just a treat to have you on i can't recommend to our listeners enough uh, Melrose Sheltering in Place cast. Uh, you, you and Nan are a fantastic pairing. Thank and you so much. I always get so excited when we finish three episodes, which usually takes about a month because uh, <laughs> then I can listen to another episode and still have a clear conscience. Yeah. Well, um, it was a joy to be here uh, as always. Uh, if people haven't caught me before, I think this is my third appearance on your show, right? Yeah. So... Um, I will not to turn this into a confrontation. Uh-oh. But uh, one of your episodes recently, you mentioned that we had just finished season one. And you had talked about how lucky you guys were to have just zipped through the second half of season one in one <laughs> massive episode. And specifically that I had told you I was jealous that you did that because for us, we just slogged all the way through it. <laughs> and then for no reason, you just gratuitously added that we for no reasons we can't explain added five special episodes at the end of season one to commemorate it was a lot (laughs) (laughs) we were just living in the moment we had so much fun with season one it was just so funny because like every week i'm like all right here we go season two oh no it's not Well, now that it's, you know, a crisp January out right now, January air, when we listen to this, um, we'll be ready for season four very soon, very soon. Oh, sure. Mary, this week's sponsor is bringing you something special. Is it a product? No. Is it even a service? Uh Uh-uh. Do you still have to pay for it? Yes, because Mary, it's intellectual property. It is freedom. And you can't put a price on freedom, can you? 
Maybe. Mary, I'm going to play you just a few bars of a memorable hit performed by drag queens everywhere. You tell me what it brings to mind for you. We're not going to get sued. Mary, what does that tell you? What is that? What do you get when you hear those powerful chords or notes or whatever? It makes you want to get up for work on time. No, it does not. It makes you want to get the fuck out of the office, which is why this week's sponsor is Lunch Hours with an S. Oh, yeah. It's an extended lunch because when 30 to 60 minutes is not enough for you, girl, get up and go. Get out of there. Now, Mary, some people, not you, I know, but some people feel like they need an extra permission structure to take an extended lunch every day. Every day. <laughs> and lunch, right. lunch Hours is here. This is, it's, a, it's a subscription service because you're going to need the reinforcements regularly coming your way to make you feel like a powerful, independent woman that does not need to go back to the office. No, ma'am, you don't. Good. I like the sounds of this already. We're going to tell you when you're part of this subscription service, we're just going to give you some affirmations once a week. We don't want to overdo it. No, because you, you, do... you don't want women being too affirmed. Correct. That's a you, problem. You can take lunch hours, but not lunch days. You can't be gone for days at a time. Too far. Too far. But maybe what this, this might be what we're going to just patch into your ears, right? You're walking to work, right? In from the parking lot. Oof. You've got your headphones in. You're yeah. listening to NPR or Shania Twain, whichever is more likely for you. I'm wearing my kids. You're wearing your kids. And we're going to interrupt the song just to, to give you this little affirmation. Are you ready? Ready. Today, ditch the bitch to enjoy your sandwich. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then when you get into the office, right, you're going to do, you're already late, of course. So you're going to work for about 90 minutes. <laughs> and then you're going to say, I got to go. I have a work errand. I gotta go. I'm gonna go. Say? And you're gonna go to the town 30 minutes away, which you know which one I'm talking about. You know which one I'm talking about, but you know I can't say it. Minutes away. Then you're gonna come back late. And if anyone raises even a hint of disappointment to you, you're going to aggressively respond that you had to ditch the bitch to enjoy your sandwich. I like it because it rhymes. Oh, I know. I know how that works for you, Mary. Listen, maybe the next week you're going to come in and you're going to think I'm going to do better. I'm going to work a full 37 and a half hours this week. I mean, I'm shaking my head. The people can't see. But... And then you're walking in, you got your kids, you got your bag lunch because you're going to work at your desk. Sure. And what do we do? We pipe right into your headphones. We're going to just ask a simple question. Do you really want to go back to the office just to feel nauseous? Oh, see that one, that rings true too, because it rhymes. Yeah, and you don't want to go back to the office just to feel nauseous. So you're going to take your extended lunch provided to you by lunch hours. See, we're just hyping you up. We're your hype man. It has to be a man. There's no such thing as a hype woman. I was about to ask, yeah. No, no. It might be more appropriate to have a hype woman. Now, maybe, maybe Mary, you're the type of person that doesn't like to eat at lunch. I'm not that type of person. I like to eat lunch still in the morning. What? <laughs> some some people don't eat during the lunch hour. Yeah, I don't usually. What are you doing all that time you go to lunch? I go for a walk. Back in the day. Oh, back in the day, no, I was eating. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> some people. So maybe that maybe this affirmation will be for you now, right? It will okay. just pipe in and we'll say, "Hey, hey. Avoid the cubicle. Try a pharmaceutical." This you, took a turn. You should you can do some drugs for lunch. 
Didn't you just take a bunch of cough medicine? This is starting to make sense now. Here's some more. Avoid the nine to five. Get a bagel with chive. It's it's not the strongest one, but I'll allow it. I went to a rhyming website and it, I was running out of ideas. But I know how you love a good rhyme. All right. I do. I really do. Here's the last one we have pre-recorded for you. This, this is the end of the freebies. After this, you've got to sign up at lunchhours.com. I hope that's an appropriate okay. website. All right. Run away from your boss. Have a lunch so good you have to floss. It is. I went to the dentist today and they, they said I was doing a really good job flossing. That is, I, when I go to the dentist, they always do talk about flossing as well. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. It's a lot of extra work. Lunch hours, giving you the encouragement you need to ditch the bitch and enjoy your sandwich. Wow. I like everything about this. I like- I the, know you do. I like the rhyming. The rhyming. I, like the rhyme, I rhyme all the time. Yeah. I'll allow that it's a hype man and not a hype woman, just because I'm generous today. I don't make the rules of society. Name a hype woman. I feel like Lizzo's a hype woman. I was thinking Lizzo too, because I was about to say, don't say Lizzo. She's so good. Yeah. Just do uh, your hair toss. Oh, just toss that hair. Good job. Um, one one detail I'd like to know. Well, you're, you're getting up there. I mean, that's we start hurting ourselves. Um, how, so this is like a subscription service, right? Yes. Yes. So how much, may I ask, is it crude if I ask how much it costs? No, that's an important detail. It is only $1.99 per month. It's billed right to your Apple account. You don't even know it's there. Yeah, we're one of the subscription services. We don't ever want you to notice that we're here, right? You yeah. know, you notice when it's over $5 a month, that stands out to you when you check your bank account. But when, you see the, when you see the $1.99, you just keep going and then you keep renewing and you get that affirmation. And then boom, 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 boom. You're like, I ain't coming back. I ain't coming back. My lunch today is from two to seven. It's going to bleed right into dinner as the as well it should. You My know? lunch today is crudite. Wow. That, yeah. you, got, you did that on the spot, didn't you? I, right here, live in the moment. It's like Listen, you're an English major. This is the... No, no, no. I did something useful. Women's studies. <laughs> that's how I know there's no hype women. That's how you know. That's That was part of the curriculum. Do you know, would you like a moment in feminism that I missed and you missed in sure. the show? Go back to when Amanda, the, the episode when Kimberly came in on Amanda and Michael in the hot tub. Yes, yes. Kimberly called and used a fake British accent and yes. had Allison tell her where she was, mm-hmm. okay, where Amanda was. Allison reported to Amanda the next day when Amanda was at her door and said, how did Kimberly Shaw find out where, where I was? Yes. Allison said, I don't know. It was just the only person I told was the nurse from your office. Oh, Kimberly never introduced herself as a nurse. Amanda Allison just made that assumption because it was a lady doc. She's such, she's so sexist. Yeah, I didn't even catch it. I didn't even catch it. There was so much going on. You know, but you know what might have helped Allison in that moment is if she had taken lunch hours. She, especially given the state of lunch breaks at D&D at that time and that they had been banned. They had been banned. But listen, she could have done what you did and said, I had an errand i had to meet with my therapist boyfriend for lunch at the marina at the marina <laughs> allison and her therapist boyfriend that was fun that could have gone on a little longer i'm kind of sad that I didn't dribble over a little more you know wow well, okay so this is again what's it called again lunch hours it's a dollar 99 go to lunchhours.com okay and it, it just gives you an affirmation to spend an ex exceptional amount of time 
every day during your lunch break? You know what? You only go around once. And are you going to have more fun being at work or having lunch? I think we all know the answer to that question. Do you know, in the nineties, I worked at a bank where we had to like punch a paper card and it would stamp oh, the time on it. Yeah. And we had some people much like you, uh, who would take longer than nor- than they should lunch hours. And every day they forgot one of their punches. So they had to hand write it. And That's finally true. the, the branch manager or the teller supervisor came to me and she said, is this what they're doing? And I had to answer the question. Did you answer it honestly? You didn't have to be honest. So wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> wait, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the, re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they <laughs> Of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210, to get to understand where this show came from, is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. Oh, God.